Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Hui Huin of Alabama Woodworker, and I'm joined by my friend, Guy Dunlop of Guy's Woodshop. Hello, Hui. Hello, Guy. And Sean Walker, who's not here today of Simple Cove, but uh, he should be back on the next episode or the following episode. Uh, more about that uh, in the next episodes. Uh, this podcast is intended to answer your questions, the woodworking community, and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon campaign. We'd like to thank our newest patron, Michael Webster and James Harris. If you'd like to show your support, we are simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Please go to patreon.com forward slash woodshop life if you'd like to show your support. And please stick around towards the end of the show where we're going to briefly talk about what we have, what each of us have going on in our own shop. So let's get right into it. Guy, you've got the first question. So this first question is from Monty. I picked another Monty question. <laughs> I didn't even see his name down there. It's just a good question. You guys are like besties. <laughs> yeah, actually he's paying me. Oh. So just so you know, if anybody wants to send me money to get their questions right on the air, uh, anyways, that's for Monty. <laughs> so, so his question is, I've gotten a couple of requests from family members wanting some items with the modern farmhouse look, specifically rough sawn boards for some of the show faces. Given that most of the tools in my shop are purchased with the intention of making wood nice and smooth and square, I was wondering if you have any tips for intentionally generating or creating a rough sawn look on boards. Thanks, Monty. All right. Well, there's two ways I would recommend doing it. The first way is almost going to seem obvious. I would get rough lumber. In other words, get it from the lumber yard. Let's say that you're going to make it out of white oak. You can get rough sawn boards from the from the lumber mill and just run it through your, your planer or run it over the, the, the joiner and just get one face flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done that before. And then you just sand the top yep. to take away the fuzzies and the big mm-hmm. pieces and the big chunks. Mm-hmm. It's just very hard to get a consistent thickness is the problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there, but that's a good way to do it. You know, do you have any so, suggestions? Will you? I've heard of this tool. Have you ever heard of the restorer? You know what I'm talking about? I think it's, I think it used to no. be made by Porter Cable. Anyway, it's a, it, it's basically an, uh, uh, a rotating head that kind of looks like a belt sander. And it has like this um, brush, this uh, uh, wired yeah, brush. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I think you've got to get that rough sawn stuff, but you also got to knock down all the stuff that's really going to cause splintering of some sort. Uh, you don't want that rough stuff to be so rough that it's going to splinter off and really maybe hurt somebody when they run their hand across it. So using something like a wire brush or the restore would really help knock a lot of that stuff down. And then going at it with some type of direct action sander like a Rotex or I think Makita makes a direct action sander of sorts. Something like that is probably the direction that I would go. Um, you go ahead, guy. No, go ahead. Um, if you don't, you know, obviously the restore is like a hundred dollar 
tool or something like that. If, if that's not something that you want to invest in, then maybe get a couple of wire brushes that go on to your uh, drill press. Uh, 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 not drill press, excuse me, handheld drill. You know what I'm talking about? I used to use yeah, that. That's really going to take a long time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> especially for a tabletop. But I can remember using such a tool when I was paint, uh, scraping off paint on my family's garage door. I hated that. But uh, but yeah, that 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 those are the things that I think might help you in this situation. Another thing you can do, and we've done this at, at the shop a couple times, mm-hmm. is you can take the boards, get them the same thickness, you know, plane them both sides. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Go over to the bandsaw and sand the board on an edge, like kind of like you're going to resaw it, and drag the board across the blade. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not actually. It, it's just kind of scoring it with the sides yeah, of the teeth. Yeah, you're going and you, you drag it backwards. Oh, so going backwards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it creates chatter marks and takes away material. That's another way to do it. And that's or you can that- do it forward too if you want to, but there's a chance of it, you know, catching and going deep into the board. Yeah, yeah. Going backwards, you would, it's literally just scratching the surface of the material. Yeah. But but yeah. but as I said, I, I think the best way to do it is just to buy rough sawn boards mm-hmm. and don't finish one side of them and just rough sand them. So now what about getting that sort of um, old antique look to the boards that's not necessarily rough, but, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like ammonia fuming or aniline dye, not aniline dye, excuse me, um, potassium dichromate to kind of age the wood a little bit? Is that is that something that might work? Uh, it depends on what type of wood you're using. So let's say you're using white oak. You could do mm-hmm. the, the, the fuming. The fuming. But the fuming is really not going to work on something like maple. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so then maple, you're going to have to use some type of dye or stain, right? Yeah, but if it, if it's if it's rough, if you get rough sawn wood, you're not going to have to do much to it. And right. and most of the time, True. in my and in, in, in my experience, anyways, you know, which is not huge in this arena, mm-hmm. um, most of the wood I see that is from like an old farmhouse or a, from an old uh, barn where they've torn it down. Yeah, you know, a hundred years old, and then they come. People come and say, you know, can you make me a table out of this? I usually just want to say, no, no. <laughs> get that, get that vermin written, written uh, wood the hell out of my shop. I don't want it anywhere in there. <laughs> um, but it's typically it's either old growth spruce, yeah, or it's white oak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Nine times out of ten, it's one of those two species. Now we have a local company called Restoration or Preservation Company, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's all they have. They've just got like southern yellow pine and spruce from old barns that they basically salvage. <laughs> it's crazy because I went and looked at their facility, and it is probably where they're storing this lumber is just a metal building that they don't even have the stuff stickered. Like it's just stacked over there on the side and you know, mm-hmm. they pick out stuff. Oh my goodness. And this and the amount that they charge for some of these pieces is just, uh-huh. wow. it's, insane. it's insane. And I'm like yeah. for old that wood that used to be 
insect infested? Ugh. Oh, no, no. I'm just, just going to be really happy when this kind trend, of trend is over. Yeah. Well, I I think it kind of has you know sailed its ship, but but uh, well, I don't know. There there are still a lot of uh, yeah, it's still, still pretty of, popular. It's yeah. still pretty popular. Yeah. But. So anything right. else that we can give him in terms of tips about this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, try that. Try that, Monty. All right. So I've got my next question, and oh, there's not a name here, and I wish we had seen it. Oh well. Um. And we don't have Sean to help us with the names because he's the one that knows all Let's of it. Let's call but, him Jim. All right. So this is from Jim. And he says, hi, guys. Longtime lurker. Creepy. Here <laughs> with three questions. And they're pretty short questions. At the lumber yard, do you resaw lumber so it fits in your car, truck? If so, how? Handsaw, battery-powered saw, etc." I believe what he's talking about is cross cutting and not resawing. Yeah, I would not. It down. Yeah, cutting it down. I tend to not do that if I can avoid it. Um, and the reason why is because I'm never really exactly sure how long I need certain pieces. Like I, I go with a trailer. I've got this cheap, you know, hundred dollar tra- trailer that I had bought from somebody years ago. Um, it's it's been restored somewhat uh, reinforced because one of the beams cross beams to the trailer had rusted out and uh, it's an eight foot trailer. So sometimes at most I'm getting like, usually I'm getting like 12 foot boards. Uh, So a little bit hangs forward and a little bit hangs back and I just strap it down and call it good. Um, But I, I, I try to avoid cross cutting it on site if I can. But sometimes, you know, you get some really long boards and you can't avoid it. Guy, I think you have a truck. Well, I have mm-hmm. a truck too, but I have a trailer, so it, it's a little easier to. Yeah, to I mean, my bed's it. only like you know a little over five and a half feet. It's about five and a half feet, so no matter so, any any boards I get, they're they're sticking out at the end. Yeah. So, do you cross cut any of them or what? No, okay. I'll just put them on top of the the tailgate, and even then, that's very rare. You know why? Why? Because I have my lumber delivered. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're going to Craigslist and getting stuff, right? A couple times. Yeah. Every now and then. But but like I said, that may be once every couple years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not- If that. that. I mean, it's been probably three years since I've done that. So if I need wood for a project, I'm just calling the Frank Miller Lumber, which is about an hour and- 15 minutes away mm-hmm. and they'll deliver to me pretty much free. Yeah. I think if I order, they, they've been delivering to me free for a long time. Um, but I think if you buy $750 worth, it's mm-hmm. free. Anything below that, it's like 50 bucks. Yeah. And I tell you, you know, me getting in my car, driving an hour and a half, coming back. It's worth it. Yeah. It's, it's, 50 bucks. All right. And the guys that come and deliver it, they're really nice young men and they help me carry it up my driveway and put it in my shop. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't, uh, the few times that I have had that I have had to cross cut my lumber, uh, I have a battery powered, uh, cross cuts, uh, circular saw. Yeah. 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 Um, and I just hang it off the trailer or off the bed and I just, cross cut it nothing fancy just do it real quick 
So next question he has, how do you dispose of sharp cutting tools like router bits that are either broken or unusable? And the answer to that is, I put them in my garbage. <laughs> I don't do anything. Yeah, I, th I just throw them in the trash. I, I, I just throw them in the trash. Yeah. Is that um, a problem? Is that like a non? Is that not a? Green I don't thing know. To do? I don't know. What are you I, supposed to do with them? I don't know what you're supposed to do with them. I just throw them away. I mean, I guess you could put them in a junkyard or something. I don't know. I have no idea. But I don't really worry too much about that stuff because I'm not throwing away throwing away that many router bits nor saw blades. Yeah. Um, there are some areas, especially a lot of rural areas, where they do not pick up trash. Yeah. And you have to haul it to a dump site. Yep. And they they look at that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that might be a, a problem if you've got a lot of broken bits and stuff like that. But here in, here in the big city. <laughs> yeah. In, uh... <laughs> in the big city of Indianapolis. Um, yeah. I just I just throw that stuff out. Here in the big city of Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, it goes into my garbage. But honestly, it's, it's, there haven't been that many router bits or saw blades that I've had to replace. Now, maybe circular saw blades because those are kind of inexpensive. But I don't know. I've maybe replaced in the 10 years that I've been woodworking, maybe two circular saw blades, you know, not that yeah. many. So, but All like right. I said, is that a, is that a problem throwing them out in the, I don't. Trash. I mean, there's nothing that I've ever gotten from my d trash disposal company. No, not say, not saying that, but I mean, in the in the whole scheme of we're trying to do better for our planet, thing is that a problem? I'm sure it is in some way, but I don't mm. know. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't think router router bits were that like a. No, anyways, so yeah. I don't know. All right. All right. During the he's pandemic, got another, he's got another question. Yep. He says here, during the pandemic, I saved a lot of money by not going to bars and instead upgrading some of my tools, such as combo squares, sliding bevel. What do you do with your old, not so great big box store versions that you'll never use again? For me, I give them away or I sell them. Uh, I've sold a lot through Facebook Marketplace, which has been uh, before that it was Craigslist, but I've sold a lot because I generally take pretty good care of my tools, even the tools that weren't like the best version. Of yeah, the tools it's I like a big box, like a big box square you would sell on Facebook Marketplace. No, I just I just give that away to like a neighbor yeah. or something like that. I've got a lot of neighbor friends, neighbors and friends that are woodworkers as well. Maybe not to the extent of woodworking that I do or you do or a lot of us that are listening do, but they can definitely use a spare clamp. You know, something else that I have done is I've donated a bunch of clamps, glue that didn't go bad, but, you know, I don't need like two gallons of glue. I, you know, it's just ridiculous amounts of glue. I've donated to um, high schools. The sh shops at high schools and those are a great place to donate stuff uh, i've done that on multiple occasions actually uh so what about you i think i think you do you do you send any stuff that uh you don't use anymore to your place of work because i think technically your place of work is a 501c3 right yes um no no <laughs> So what we're do you do a, with we're this? We're a 501c nonprofit. We're oh, basically okay. a men's ministry. However, we 
our business is designed to lose money. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds weird, but it is. And we are supported quite a bit with dollars from donations. Right. And actually, we have a good amount of donations that more than make up for us. So we're able to buy a lot of stuff. Mm, okay. And we get a lot of stuff donated to us, tool-wise, too. Like, you know... Um, Festool did a donation, didn't they? Yeah, they've donated a lot of stuff to us. Uh, Lamello's donated stuff. Inkra's donated stuff to us. We've got some Craig stuff. Woodpeckers. Uh, that All that stuff is after I got there. I contacted those people. But... Anyways, what do I do? I, I'm I'm blessed at home with a lot of storage space. <laughs> do you save all this stuff? I, I I save it, and then you know, people come over that are woodworkers, or I go over something. They're like, you know, hey, and, and I I hand stuff out. Yeah, I, do I give same. it away. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yep. But I don't actively look to give it away. It just kind of happens. Yeah. You know, somebody comes to the shop, we're talking and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, I've got an extra one of those here. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need two of them. So right. that's where a lot of that stuff goes for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, I give it away. Cool. Cool. Well, that's the last question from, I think, did we designate him as Jim? Jim. Yeah. Yeah. So guy, it's back to you. You got the okay. next one, man. This is from Wild Horse Woodworking. He didn't leave a name, but just that's his business, Wild Horse Woodworking. Nice. And he says, I usually build cabinets with doors and drawers overlapping the face frame. Mm -hmm. However, I would like to inset the drawers on a pair of shaker style side tables that I'm building. How much gap, 1 16th, 1 8th, should I plan for between the drawers and the face frame? Drawer face is just under six inches wide, and I live in I live in the Intermountain West, and it remains pretty dry all year. After I get the position set, is there any tips to temporar- temporarily hold drawer faces in position on the drawers until I can get install screws from the inside? So, here's my recommendation, Wild Horse Woodworking. If you're going to do inset drawers, and they're solid wood, so the sides and the face and everything is solid wood. And in his last part of the question there, he's saying, hold drawer faces in position until on the drawers until I can install screws from the inside. That's something you do for an overlay drawer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what you're talking about in the beginning with the face frame. Yep. So if you're doing inset drawers, there's just the drawer front. Yep. And it's either dovetailed or rabbited or however you want to do it into the mm-hmm. sides. But my recommendation is to make the drawer and the drawer face almost the same, exact same size as the hole. Right. Definitely the drawer face, mm-hmm. the, drawers, the, the drawer front itself. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is take your measure. Let's say it's six inches high and 18 inches wide. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're actually going to make your drawer 16, six inches high and 18 inches wide. Right. And the depth is whatever you decide to do it. It's probably around 18 inches if it's that big. That's that's a big drawer mm-hmm. for a table that size. Anyways, make it that big. 
And then what you want to do after you get that done, then you want to take a hand plane or a belt yep. sand or whatever, and you go with the sides and the, and the top. Mm-hmm. The top behind the face or the front. Yeah. you don't want to remove any of that material. So, and you want to have it like a friction fit. Yep. And you can take off more on the height. It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. on the height. Actually, I try to take off like, you know, maybe a, an eighth of an inch or so on the yeah. top of the drawer mm-hmm. because of expansion of the sides. That's the only way the drawer is going to expand and contract is up and down, not side to side. Right, right. So you, you take off a little bit on the side so that when you put it in, the, the, the back of the drawer is skinnier than the face of the drawer. So you put it in, it goes in, it finds the hole easy. And then as you push it in, it goes. Yep. So you get that fits nice in structure. there. Yeah. Yeah. Then what you do is on the, the drawer front itself, you take a hand plane mm-hmm. and you take like a 16th of an inch off the bottom. Yes. A 16th inch off the top, not of the whole drawer, just yep. the drawer front. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a 16th inch off the sides, each side. Now, if I recall, Guy, um, you had done a federal, oh, was it a federal desk that had three yeah. drawers or whatnot? And mm-hmm. you had the uh, the cock beating around? Yeah. Yep. yep. And I believe you had ta- removed, am I right on this? I think you did it on your table saw. With a dado blade, did you not? To remove? that was to install the cock beating. That's to install the cock beating. So then, how did you? Did yeah, you? Yeah, that was it? a that was a different animal than okay. what Wild okay. Horse Woodworking is talking about. Okay, okay, but um, those were inset drawers. They right? were inset drawers, but I just had to measure it, and I couldn't really take the stuff off. And because of the 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 cock beating on the drawers, it, it you know complicated things greatly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've seen uh, folks using like some type of um, skew plane or whatnot with a fence on it to just remove that little bit on the bottom and the top. Again, because you want that friction fit, but you want that even reveal all the way around. Yeah. So all you're doing is you're 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 doing a reveal on the drawer face. Right. right. After the drawers are assembled, just taking a little bit of material off there to give it a shadow line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that it doesn't look like it's just pressed yeah. on the bottom. Now, that being said, I have done um, inset drawers where literally it just fits to the drawer, um, you know, with the little gap on the bottom and the top, uh, but not, excuse me, just a little gap on the top and not bo- bothered with a gap on the bottom. So mm-hmm. it's just sort of flat. Uh, but but I I get what you're saying and and that that's probably the quote unquote more proper way of doing it to have a nice even reveal all the way that's around. That's the purest way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But I don't think there's anything wrong if you you know if your intention is just to get that piston fit and not work, worry about you know getting the mm-hmm. nice even reveal on all four sides. The, the but, only time you'd really do an eight, he's also got there. You know, should I do a sixteenth inch or an eighth inch? The only time I really do eighth inch is when I'm doing something that I would not call fine furniture, like on a cat, like a cabinets or something like that. Sure, sure. Um, like shop cabinets or kitchen cabinets or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm using drawer slides. Right. Mm-hmm. 
then I'd go eighth inch. Yep. Yep. But inch. on furniture, you know, quote unquote, fine furniture, you're a 16th of an inch. Right. Right. And in that case, especially with undermount drawer slides, I mean, do you use the drawer slides with the six degree of freedom in, out, left, right, up, down? With six degrees of freedom. What, what was that? Or, or um, I'm sorry, um, not six degrees of freedom, but the adjustability left, right, up, down, forward, back, undermount drawer slides with the with the adjustability on them. Might oh, not you mean the, the, the actual things that have, yeah, I use the, the adjustable one, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why that was, I didn't uh, mean to make that so confusing. Uh, My apologies. Threw, threw a, threw a curveball at me. Yeah. It's just, um, uh, they're, they're adjustable. I always get the adjustable ones because they, yeah. you know, whether you're doing inset or overlay drawers, they still need to be adjusted. Right. Right. So, well, all right. Cool. Well, I guess we've answered, I hope we've answered that question wild horse woodworking mm-hmm. and uh we'll kick it back to you Hui. this question is from chris uh, from chris he says i'm cutting a seven by five inch opening into the countertop of a washer dryer surround made of three quarter inch walnut plywood in order to access the water shutoff if ever needed anyways um ultimately i'd ultimately like to figure out a way to cut the opening and reuse the cutoff or off cut piece as the new lid for the opening. I have a one eighth inch spiral trim bit for my router and thought to plunge it down to begin the cut, then follow the template I made. I feel like there's not a lot of room for error here. Any suggestions for cutting the openings in order to grain match and reuse the off cut piece? Well, Chris, what you described is probably somewhat similar to what I would do. Now, keep in mind that as you're going around with that bit, you sort of have to. Now, we folks with CNC machines know what this this is called. This is a like a little tab um, because the last thing you want is for that waste piece to fall down in some way or to shift in some way and then get hit by that uh, router trim bit that you're using or a spiral trim bit that you have. So I, I think you're in the right direction. I would just make sure that as you're doing this, that centerpiece, what, you know, if you've got like a wasteboard underneath that you're clamping that um, countertop to uh, so that that wasteboard actually stays in place and doesn't uh, wiggle around as you're cutting it free. Uh, Because if you do, and it wiggles around a little bit, it could get marred by the uh, flush trim bit that you're using. So either create, you know, some type of, I don't know, tab manually with your router bit, or, you know, double stick tape it down to a wasteboard of sorts. So that as you're cutting that piece free, it doesn't wiggle around and get flung into your router bit and mar your mar your waste piece. Uh, Guy, have you ever done anything like that where you've had to? I think you have. You you've yes. done that with uh, fine furniture, right? Yes. So how did you make sure that you kept the quote unquote waste piece, although it's not wasted, uh, from getting mucked up? Yeah, I, I've done it more than once i've done it a bunch of different times so i mostly done it with drawer fronts 
So what I typically do is, is I put a board behind it, mm-hmm. took a piece of plywood or MDF. And then, like you said, I run um, double-sided tape across it and screw it mm-hmm. underneath. Yeah. So after I do the cutoff, it doesn't flop around. Right. And then I either use a positive or a negative pattern. You know, you can either go around or go inside. It doesn't really matter. Right. With an eighth inch bit and cut the piece out. And yeah. you just got to be careful. You got to go slow. Just got to, you know, you just got to be careful. Yeah. You, you have to be, you know, confident with your, your skills to do that. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Try that's it. All, that's all I would do. Try it on a test piece, like maybe a test piece of plywood first, just to get some practice in, Chris. Because, yeah, <laughs> especially with a nice piece of walnut, or in this case, I think walnut plywood, uh, man, you don't want to screw that up. So, no, especially if the piece is already made. Yeah. That could well, cause some problems. Oh, yeah. Guy, I think we are on to your last question. Is that right? Is this yeah, a, no, it. is this the last or no, it yeah. is your last question. Yeah. That's my last question. So this is from Jesse at Beachland Furniture or Beachland Furniture or Beachland Furniture. It says, hey guys, figured I'd ask your opinion on shop ceiling heights. I've been planning on building a new detached shopper garage next year. My original design is a shed roof with an interior height of 12 foot on the high side and nine foot on the low side. But recently I've been thinking maybe a gable roof with a dormer would be nice, which could make room for a loft. However, the ceiling height would end up being nine or 10 feet. Other than stacking lumber vertically, I don't see the advantage of 12 foot ceilings. Side note, I was planning on running some dust collection through the slab floor. Cool. Thanks as always, Jesse at Beachland Furniture. So, this is a this is a tough question. It really has to do with your particular, you know, use case mm-hmm. uh, of what you're doing in the shop. Myself, I like the idea of having 12 foot. We were talking about um, bringing lumber home or even having lumber delivered. Yeah. Sometimes those boys. I've got a, a little over nine foot. Let's say a nine and a half foot ceiling in my garage, and I'm lucky with that. But a lot of the boards I get, they're 10 feet or 12 feet tall, which means I've got to cut them down to fit. And that always bums me out. It's like, no, how short do I cut them? Do I just cut off a couple feet? And then, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a tough thing to do. But I end up doing that quite a bit. And I wish I had 12 feet. I think 12 having 12 feet, and having, if you're going to do a vertical lumber, a lumber, a vertical lumber rack with 12 feet would be very, very advantageous. Yeah. That's just me. But I do like the idea of a, of a gable roof because then you could put, you know, it would give you an attic space. You could store lumber horizontally in the attic if you wanted to. Yeah. Most, most times you're in a garage, the gable's not that high. You're, you're not going to get. It's not going to be like a second floor yeah, or a loft. It's just a, uh, a space that you're going to put a hatch in. You may be able to get, you know, crawl around up there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, um, but a gable roof would give you some extra storage and it would still give you enough room on one end 
if you had a couple boards that were 12 feet or even, you know, more than a couple boards, if you stacked them vertical, you'd still be okay if you want vertical storage. I'm always thinking vertical storage, mm-hmm. so you'll have to excuse me. Um, that's the only, that is really the only advantage I see to having high ceilings. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple times in my shop here where I've had boards that are pretty tall, pretty long, and I want to stand them up and I can't. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have, I mean, that is like a, a very, very rare thing. That's not a, something that's like, oh my gosh, I wish I had 10 foot or 12 foot ceilings. It's like, you know, it would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, I guess it really comes down to cost and everything else. I like the idea of having one side 12 feet. And the other, yeah. For a, sh- so a shed roof line. A, a shed roof, yeah. And going down to nine foot on the other side. I like that idea. Plus it gives you more wall space. Yeah. Even if it's up high, it's still more wall space. With respect to with respect to a workshop, shop garage, yeah, definitely a detached shop garage having I, I think I would probably go with a gable roof myself. Or excuse me, not a gable roof, excuse me, a shed roof myself, just because it's nice to have that twelve foot ceiling. Um my shop is a an attached garage to my house. And the shed, the garage itself is, is a gable, uh, is a gable roof. And then above that is, is an attic. It's a two story home. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the attic space above my garage is, is could actually be a room if I wanted to convert it into a room. But, you know, I've got just over nine and a half feet, a little more. I've had to cut when I transferred my lumber from my old shop to my new shop. I, I had to cut some of the lumber down and it, it kind of pained me to do it. Um, just because again, I don't know. I could, I could have shot myself in the foot and needed certain things to be a certain length. And then, you know, the next piece, unfortunately I won't be able to use for whatever reason, you know, it's too short. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I, if it were a detached garage, a detached shop, I think I would probably go with a shed roof just to have that nice little twelve foot ceiling. You know? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a weird look though to have a a, <coughs> a detached building with a shed roof though. It is. Yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 if it fits in with the architecture, of the rest of the the rest of the, the the house itself. Yeah, you know, maybe. I, I've seen um, a lot more modern homes having. I think it would fit if it were a more modern looking home. Maybe, yeah. You know, but yeah. traditional looking style home, maybe the gable roof is probably going to be, yeah, more conducive. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to, uh, the gable roof is definitely going to be a lot more attractive, I think, yeah. in my opinion. So, but hey, man, you know, if you're, if you're okay with just other than, yeah. I think you, I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. That the only other reason maybe you would do that would be for vertical lumber storage. You know, the thing is, if you're building this, you can always, you know, if I could do it all over again, uh-huh. I would do probably the, the something about around fifteen hundred square feet. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all I need, and I would do you know nine or ten foot ceilings, but then I'd put a second story on with stairs going up and that would be 
you know, an area for storage, office space, all that fun stuff that I wouldn't have to do, that I wouldn't do downstairs. Right. And I don't have to dedicate any room for it. And it always gives me extra room to put stuff up. Yeah. I, I, I surely wish that I had, uh, <laughs> I surely wish I had uh, a thousand square feet. That I, yeah. I, I feel like I, I'd be fine with a thousand square feet. Right now, I'm, I'm just over 700. Uh, and I'm pretty happy with that. Thing but. is, it's, 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 it's less expensive to build up than it is to build out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good point. Um, anyways, I hope that helps, Jesse. And we, you've got the last question here. So this is an interesting question from Tom. He says, gentlemen, had two questions, figured I would break them into two massives to keep it organized. And this is actually Mrs. What the heck does Mrs. mean? I thought it was Mel. Uh, kind of like two questions. Okay. Uh, two separate things. I didn't yeah. know that. that. I learned something new, adding to my vocabulary. I don't okay. think missive means questions. It's just that I'm just taking it in the context it's being used. Okay. All right. I would have to look up into the Webster's Dictionary. Yeah. A letter, especially a long or official one, is a missive. Ah, I just looked that up. Okay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> thank you for the podcast. What are some non-tool, non-woodworking related things that make your time in the shop more enjoyable or productive? For example, for me, it might be my Sirius XM or Amazon Music subscription. Pot, I guess he's talking marijuana. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that always makes time go by in a much more enjoyable frame of mind. For sure. Uh, try maybe stay away from the bandsaw. Table saw, uh, or the cage I keep my children in. I think oh being, man, I think he's being facetious. Facetious, we. yes, obviously. We in your shop, maybe your mini split. Do you have anything like that? If you say blue painters tape, Mike Pekovich will eat your soul. Funny dude, funny dude. So I think we can maybe take a couple of these. Um, I would say I have. I know this is going to sound so, so pretentious, but probably I have a TV that's mounted on the far, far wall of my shop. Mm-hmm. And I, how can, big is it? It's a 40 inch. Okay. Uh, if you would have it, said it's a 90 inch, oh, a no. 90 inch 8K, I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty pretentious. <laughs> It was a used TV that I bought on Facebook Marketplace for like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mounted on my wall. It's up high. Uh, you know, it, it it makes the times where I'm applying a finish or sanding or something. You know, I put that on, and uh, I've got like a Bluetooth headset, and I've got an Amazon Fire Stick so that has Bluetooth on it, so I can listen to like a football game or something like that or or uh, reruns of a show that I've watched a million and one times and and it's just it's just noise in the background it's just noise in the background yeah exactly and it just it helps it helps a lot how about you guy what do you got um i do smoke a lot of weed in my shop oh there you go like tom <laughs> no i'm just kidding i don't do that Sure you are. Um, 
I'm sure I don't. Um, I have a I have a TV like you. I, I like I I'm a news junkie, so yeah. I listen to the news quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And during football season, I'm always watching football. I've always got a football game going, mm-hmm. uh, especially on a Saturday. Yep. Um, Same here. With college college ball, mm-hmm. unless Ohio State's playing, then my ass is in front of the TV watching it. It's not <sighs> just background noise. Um, but I have that and, you know, I do listen to music in there quite a bit. I really don't. I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of, but it's like, it, it's hooked up to my network at home. Yeah. So I've got all my own music. And then of course I can, you know, listen to music. I have, I have a subscription to Apple music, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I can listen to music in there all day if I want to of any genre. I'm, I'm, you know, feeling like that day. Yeah, that's about it, man. Yeah, I, I have a subscription to Amazon Music, and and definitely helps um, with the time. Let let the time go by. Makes it a lot more enjoyable for those non enjoyable instances where I'm sanding. Sanding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying yeah. to think what else. You know, I really don't have anything else um, just because it's, uh, you know, the, the TV with the Amazon fire stick, you know, the music and all the stuff that I listen to. It's not that it, it, it takes my mind off of what I'm doing, but not distractive enough where I might make a mistake doing something. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm not playing like Xbox and, you know, trying to <laughs> do yeah. something. I don't, I don't guys that like watch. They have like a movie playing in the background or a TV show. It's like, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. The news I can do, music I can do. I listen to podcasts through the, through the system too. Yeah. Um, but then again, most of the podcast lessons are non-woodworking. Yeah. Um, yep. Me too. Yep. So I listen to very few woodworking podcasts. Um, there's really not a whole lot of things you can add in your shop to make it more enjoyable or productive other than, you know, some type of entertainment like music. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Tom, I hope that gave you a little bit of inspiration. Uh, maybe if you don't want to put a TV in there, maybe get, uh, I don't know, an Alexa echo or something like that might help. So, all right, so that does it for the show. Let's talk about what we got going on in the shop. And Guy, I believe you've gotten back into the shop. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, I made it back into the shop uh, last, well, over the weekend. I built a very small cabinet that I'm actually looking at right now. It's just a, I had some white oak plywood that I, I got from work that were scraps. It's got kind of a dark finish on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's... it's uh, I put some dye and some water-based uh, conversion varnish. Did you spray? Yeah. I put okay. a couple coats of shellac on it to seal it, and then I, I, I put some dye in there and and, and uh, worked pretty well. Uh, it's just a small cabinet with a drawer, but I've got – when I wasn't allowed to be in the shop, I could basically sit and do stuff. Well, there's really not much you can do while you're sitting down. So right. I actually – I've I've had a 3D printer for about a year. Yeah. So I actually printed a 3D printer. What? Yeah. So and I bought the electronic parts as a kit. 
but all the structural parts were all printed on my other 3D printer. So I put that together. Now I've got two 3D printers. And that's what that cabinet is for. One's going underneath and one's going up on top. And then I've got a drawer to put accessories in. Oh, cool. So there so you go. So you made, you used a 3D printer to make a 3D printer. Yeah. And got the motors and the servo and the feeder and whatnot. The extruder just, yeah. just bought all. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, the extruder parts were just parts. I had to actually print the extruder. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, I, I'd like to get into 3D printing. Like I need another hobby, like a hole in the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you got going on? Well, I finally finished that 4x12 conference table for that uh, for the engineering company, local engineering company. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a lot of firsts. It was very time consuming, but finally got it done. They wanted a lot of electronics in it. So they wanted wireless charging uh, pucks inside the table. Uh, They wanted um, the outlets. Like underneath the wood or just embedded in the wood? Embedded. Yeah, embedded. And they were embedded. Uh, I, I had these like round wireless pucks that have like a little light on them. And so then um, once you inset it into the wood, uh, you drill like this very, very tiny hole into the center of where the puck goes. And then oh, so it light. is underneath the wood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. That's what I said is it's, you know, just set yeah. into the wood or is it embedded underneath the wood? You it, it, it's, yeah. it's set into the, yeah. yeah. Underneath, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they wanted... Uh, outlets with USB ports on there to. That's all pretty standard stuff. For yeah. A conference table. To for a conference table, right, right. Not not for something that I'm used to doing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not used to doing it. Um, but they wanted that underneath the table as well. Uh, they wanted the wiring to be concealed in some way, so I had to make some channeling and whatnot to route the wiring. And anyway, it was uh. It was a long ordeal um, from start to finish, but I did finish it. I delivered it. It looks great. Oh, first time ever doing epoxy inlay for uh, the company logo. They wanted their company logo on the top of the table, so mm-hmm. did that. I actually had to go to a C and uh, yeah, a local you mentioned that before. Yeah, so got that all done. Uh, finally, got it done. It was just a long ordeal, and now I have a new project on my table it's a a a couple who uh, her father was a woodworker and a couple of her pieces from her father had gotten damaged in her move to Huntsville Uh, and so she contacted me and asked if I could do a couple of the repairs and uh, refinish them to give them a new look uh, a fresher look not a new look Uh, so I've got that on my bench right now it's a music stand that her uh, father had made actually it's a really nice piece uh, music stand that a couple of the pieces had broke during the move and i'm just repairing that so that's what i got going on the shop cool i think that wraps it up for this show please remember this podcast is here to answer woodworking questions from the woodworking community so if you have woodworking questions please send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or dm us through instagram at woodshoplife 
We would also like to thank everyone who has left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and the feedback. And you can reach me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are on my website. Guy, where can we find you? Uh, Guy's Woodshop. Guy'swoodshop.com. Guy's Woodshop on YouTube, Guy's Woodshop on Instagram. It's just guy, just Guy's Woodshop. Just Google me, Google Guy's Woodshop, and <laughs> all my all my crap will come up. You're the only Guy's Woodshop, man. You're the only one. Uh, and of course, uh, Sean Walker, who is another host, he's out today. He'll be back soon. Uh, and you can find him at SimpleCove.com. Just want to make sure that uh, we plug him and yeah. check out Simple Cove. By the way, uh, because. It's a cool site. It's a really awesome site. I'm just looking at it now, and it's like it's a ton yeah, of projects. There's, there's a lot so of there's a lot of very talented people posting right, projects on there. It's a lot of good inspiration. Yeah, honestly, and and a lot of these people and a lot of these folks are talking about their processes and stuff. It's it's really neat stuff to get a lot of really yep. great information. Absolutely. All right, great. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, see ya. See ya.